Good evening, Mr. Anderson, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're completing Andrew's best action movies ever triple feature Mm -hmm. with 1999's The Matrix. This is 1999. That was a very special year for you. That was the best year of my life. <laughs> I saw a shirt that said this week that said the king of 1999. And it was a picture of Brendan Fraser. And I was like, man, if I could replace that with Mike, mm-hmm. that'd be funny. <laughs> no, just add me. I just put me and Brendan Let, hanging out you, next to each other. OK. Yeah. Kings of 1999. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so he had the mummy that year and yep. then blast from the past. Mm-hmm. Was there just those two? I mm-hmm. think so. And everything else. That was enough to get him a t-shirt? Everything else went <laughs> to you. King. Yeah, that's true. It was a great year for film. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so we have all... No, no, no. Okay, that's incorrect. Andrew and I have seen the film before. I assume many, many, many times. Yeah, so I rem- I was like... Like, I remember when this was, like, coming out. And how... I actually watched... I rewatched the trailers to, like, get a feel for like what they convey and i remember being a good idea yeah i remember being 11 years old and watching the trailers and still not knowing what the matrix was and so i remember that being like kind of part of it was that yeah you didn't really know what i mean there's you can guess but you don't really know what the matrix is and i think just like the aesthetics of the movie or whatever they don't they don't scream everybody's living inside a computer program um yeah well, so that's a yeah. complex idea it is to convey in a trailer also i think i think so too yeah. yeah and it's it's just it has a very specific look to it that does like it doesn't look to me like like a william gibson sort of thing um or like blade runner um it just doesn't it doesn't have that it has a very contemporary feel um, but yeah, I remember uh, I had this on I've had this on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, <laughs> 4K. Blu- yeah, so I've I I had one of those little um, TV uh, like VHS TV combos and I just about wore out this tape like I would just yeah. play the Matrix while like doing my homework. Like if there's nothing on the 10 channels of TV that we had, I would just hit play because I'd be somewhere in the Matrix at some point. So I, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. Wow. Yeah. So we'll get to Kit. Mm-hmm. But I'll go ahead. I'll share my my history. Um, I don't think... I, I'm, I'm positive. I'm pretty positive. I did not see the Matrix in theaters. Me neither. Because I would have been 12 really? when it came out. Yeah, I did out. not. Yeah. I, I, and it was like I was just... Is it rated 1999 R? was a... Yeah, it's R rated. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, yeah, 1999 was a tricky year because so many good movies came out that year. I saw several in theaters, but then like some of them that were R rated, I had to wait till they were on video. But that's also part of my love for these movies was just like 
the long anticipation of being able oh, yeah. like to see Fight Club. I, I'm not even sure I saw Fight Club in 1999. I think it came out in 2000 on VHS. But like the Tuesday night that it came out at Blockbuster, I went and I rented it because for whatever reason, my dad was not OK with me seeing it in theaters. And but he was fine with me watching it with him in the living room <laughs> on the TV. Uh, the Matrix. And I mean, however, that is a. I, I like I'm a little when I think back, I mean, there's fucks in this movie and there's a lot of violence, but like Fight Club is like next level to yeah. like Fight Club and the Matrix are not the same. <laughs> like this level is a very of violence. Tame or, yeah. Very tame R. Well, <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know what my parents reasoning would have been. But something else I have in my notes uh, is that Matrix came out on. So it looks like wide release was March 31st, 1999. Mm -hmm. And then about three weeks later, Columbine happened. And I, you guys were, you Kit, Kit, you're two, one years younger than me. Two. One year. Two years younger. Andrew, you're about 20, 20 years younger, I think. 20 years younger, (laughs) roughly. So like, it's, you probably remember as well as I do. But I don't know. I, I remember I, Columbine really that well. Extra. Oh, yeah. I remember Columbine okay. yeah. extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually. Yeah. And Columbine was it's it's hard to explain, I think, to people now. I, fortunately, nobody listens to our podcast, so we won't be asked to. <laughs> but like uh, just the kind of impact that that made mm-hmm. in the pop culture. And then even just like I mean, I remember it was like my sister's birthday party. Her her birthday was the day after that happened. But we had my grandparents over and like it was in the news that day. And I remember everybody talking about it like it was just this. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it was like it was kind of like a September 11th mm-hmm. thing. I agree. But obviously much. Yeah. Like it wasn't like they shut down the skies or anything. So it wasn't quite as big. No, but, but like, it was just like everywhere. And you had to like, yes. like we were watching the news in school, I think like you had to like, it's not like every news event you then like spend school time talking about and like right. that very much was one. Yep. And like yeah. everybody, like <laughs> so many things like I forgot until he kind of. Until he shows up, I was talking to Lee about his duster again because, like, Lee has famously told me he wants a duster like the guy from The Matrix. And I said, yeah. Lee, you will just you will look like a school shooter. And since I haven't seen the movie before, Him when especially. he shows when when Neo shows up and opens his duster and he's got all the weapons, which, like, by the way, fucking cool. But I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that you did want to be a school shooter. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> what they, those guys did. But just that everything got blamed for Columbine, yeah. basically. Right. Everything yeah. that was famous at that moment. This movie also. Yeah. And so that may. When when did oh. Columbine happen? So the it was April 20th, 1999. So it was about three weeks after this went okay. to wide release. And it, it didn't have a small release. I only say that because I think it released at like like six days earlier at like, you know. Yeah. Whatever the Chinese theater in mm. Los Angeles or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's just on Wikipedia. It just said. It didn't really it doesn't look like it really impacted the box office that much, though. No, not at all. And I think that's actually interesting in its own way. But I guess back to what I was talking about, like this was one that uh, I don't think I was able to see in theaters, but um, I know I rented it. I watched it on VHS when it first came out. Um, I also remember speaking of the VHS like DVD was 
pretty new at the time. Like it was a couple years old at that point, but it wasn't like it had really been widely adopted. Mm -hmm. So I don't even think we had a DVD player in my house at the time. But I remember going over to my friend's house and his dad had a DVD player, surround sound and like a big screen TV, um, like old school. So flat screen, but still really, you know, heavy as shit. Um, and I remember watching The Matrix on DVD over there. I think we actually he just showed me like the like the lobby scene and, and at first. But I was just like, like, you know, going home to my VHS tape, just like this. This won't do. <laughs> no. like, you know, yeah. I, yeah. We need to get a DVD player, dad. Um, anyhow. So, Did yes, he listen to you? Like, like, was your dad like, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about the DVD player. I know that I bugged them for years to get a big screen TV and they finally got a big screen TV. Mm. And then we did get a DVD player eventually. I don't remember if it was 1999 or if it was 2000, but, um, but, uh, yeah, you know, you can wear your parents down if you just <laughs> try hard enough. Um, so anyways, yeah, this was like a foundational movie to, you know, 12, 13 year old Mike. Um, I've seen it several times since then, although there was a big gap between, the, I last rewatched this in 2020, so a couple years ago, mm -hmm. because I had never actually finished the trilogy until 2020. I, I saw the second one the night it came out uh, again with my dad uh, and we saw the midnight screening and I was let down by it. And then I just didn't even bother to see the third one until, you know, however many years, 15 years later or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's enough of my background. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a movie that not just I, but uh, it comes up all the time. It's constantly referenced in the culture. It's like a shorthand, like the premise of the matrix has become shorthand for something that was sort of newly relevant at the time. I think like the, the internet and just kind of the whole, I don't know, unreal world. But then as things have gone on, just everybody constantly references it when they're talking about developments and turns that our culture has taken and stuff. I also think so, anyways, I also think on top of that, that um, you could argue that the first Matrix movie kicked off the superhero movie craze. This is yeah, very could, superhero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, particularly the ending, but I mean, yeah. just but like the things, yeah. the things that the the things that he that they do in this movie, like the, the style of action has definitely like. Mm -hmm. Definitely made its way into other stuff. Yeah. So, Kit, what were your thoughts? Um, well, I guess I'll say for my background, like, I didn't see this. Um, this was at a time I never saw action movies in theaters. The first action movie I ever saw in theaters was X-Men 2. Um, and I really liked it. I was, I think we've talked about this before. I was not interested. I was very disappointed that that's what we had chosen to see. But then the opening scene of that movie is incredible. And I really loved it. Um, and it, this, this was just not, this had, Matrix had nothing that would have made me go like, we got to go see this <laughs> at all yeah. at that, at that time. <laughs> now I think I would be more about it. Um, so, yeah, and my parents also weren't interested in those kind of movies, really. Um, like, my mom likes creature horror movie, action movie type stuff, like Jurassic Park and things, but not really Matrix. So nobody in my family saw this. And then, you know, there are times when something is huge that I feel very happy when I see it and I get to be a part of that. And then there's other times where when something's huge, I love to never see it 
and it it bothers people. And the more people ask me to see it, the more joy I get out of never having seen it. So like I'm that way with Lord <laughs> of the Rings. I was that way with The Matrix for a long time. Um, I'm that way with There Will Be Blood. <laughs> you sick, sick bastard. <laughs> Just like like the moment someone asks me to see something um, or it seems like it would give them joy for me to see something, that's when I really dig my heels in and decide never to watch it. I do um, think it you know, I do think it took me like a solid 10 years to stop asking you to watch movies. Yeah, you got it. You figured it out. I did figure yeah. it out eventually, yeah. Um, I want to say that that trait or whatever personality, you know, quirk that is, is probably why, why we were yeah. friends. So whatever kind of contrarianism or whatever that is. And with The Matrix, you also just like, it was so, also, I really, cyberpunk, I at I really didn't like, like I, it's ironic. Have more. I I'm, I'm okay with it now. You know, you're the biggest anime person here. So exactly, that's kind of what I mean. Is this like there? There are certain things I'm like, okay, it's goth adjacent. Like I can contextualize it in a way that I'm like, okay, I like this now. But at the time, I was like, this is very like uncool <laughs> to me so i just didn't really have an interest in it nothing about the aesthetic um at the time was compelling to me and also i don't think keanu reeves can act so there were lots of things holding me back to this movie um watching it i will say it is to me it's like immediately apparent why it is like such a cultural touchstone like it does live up to the hype in the sense that you can watch it now 23 years later and still immediately be like, I, having lived through this time period, I, I think it's still extremely fresh. Like as much as this movie has been ripped off, it's very particular things about it that have been mm-hmm. ripped off, I think, and huge sw- swaths of it that people haven't done. Again, I think much like Mad Max Fury Road because they can't. Yeah. They they yeah. can't rip it off. They can't think that way. It's like obviously like the bullet time and the wire work stuff that's been used a lot. But things like like my favorite sequence is when they're going down inside of the walls. And like, yeah, I've still I didn't know that was in this movie and, and the, I've never and seen anybody are, else do that. The tiles yeah, are that's, popping it's up. Insane. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Really cool. And it's way more of like an animated slash anime kind of thing but there's to me the most impressive thing about the action in this movie was like the close quarters like claustrophobic mm-hmm. action was m- much more compelling and i and i think i think the number one reason for the movie's success is because more so than the innovative action and the look which is all great um is that the idea is something that everyone can instantly relate to the theme of like the world you're living in is a false reality and you're just following Mm -hmm. some program. That's such a clear and simple idea, but like universally applicable to anyone and stays with you when you leave the theater. I feel like that's the number one reason for the like staying power and success of this movie. And then also they execute that idea very well. I do think, like, I have a lot of notes for the, not, (laughs) I I think, I think there are problems 
I think it suffers from a lot of the same things that plague most Wachowski movies. I think there's they have too many ideas for their own good. And I think the pacing of the movie is a little bit crazy and that some more time spent on a f- smaller number of ideas would be better. I think that they estab- they could establish certain things better that would make certain payoffs work better. But overall, like 100% see why this is considered a classic. It's it looks amazing. It still looks amazing. The 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 special effects like to me they were cartoony enough to begin with to continue to hold up probably for all time. Yeah. Um and yeah, yeah so I get it. I think it's great. I would watch it again. I think you have to watch it again in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you have to watch this movie a bunch of times to really pick up on everything. But I do think that it, it's not perfect and there are simple things that would make it oh boy. <laughs> a better movie. <laughs> I can't wait. To, I can't wait to read your script. I would love to. <laughs> That's one thing. Better dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's they do. Cu- I, I know that they uh, this script went through a ton of rewrites and every time they also had a, a ton of trouble casting, uh, mm-hmm. especially Neo. And um, so they have to rewrite the script every single time they cast somebody or were trying to cast somebody because um, it yeah. was going to Will Smith at one point, right? They, I mean, the the famous story is that he asked them, and or they asked they asked him, and he said, uh, "No, but if you make a sequel, my wife could be in it," which is a weird thing <laughs> to say. Um, but like, I know that I think Sean Connery was up for Morpheus at one point, so you can you kind of understand that, like, even like the 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 martial arts, which are so integral to this, I mm-hmm. think to like the appeal of this. I mean, he was what seventy at the time, seventy. Like he wasn't going to yeah. be doing any mm-hmm. high kicks, so you have to imagine that like a lot of stuff was evolving mm-hmm. for a number of years. And also, it's... by the time by the time they got the go ahead to 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 actually make the movie, they still they they then uh, w- uh what is his name? You something ping the 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 wire work uh, inventor this, guy. Yeah. They they wanted to shoot sooner, but he said, no, you need a whole year to train to do all to get the crews ready to get to make the, the fights look good. Uh, you need a whole year. So they trained like mm-hmm. they, they that whole process took an entire year. And I think that's why, you know, when you want we've talked about this a little bit before, but when you watch um, people who are not martial artists. Be martial artists in movies, you can see the. Mm-hmm the the number the number of steps and and the rehearsing you can see it just it doesn't look quite right and i think at the time i would have given this a hundred percent and now i would give it like 90 95 that was my that so that was one of the bigger surprises yes because the and i think and it's a matter of time because at the time that shit was had never been it well had never been done in a mainstream Hollywood movie, let's say. Yes. Um, and it was incredible watching it. Now I'm like, wow, we've gotten better <laughs> at this. Oh, like, 
Yes. Specifically uh, but I, but I, but, at the kind of floaty wire work oh, kicking and punching stuff. You know what? You're right. However, let me say this. Um, we also got a lot worse at it for a while. Like well, if you, it's more yes. If you look at if you look at the at the at the movies that um immediately followed this, and even for like a number of years, they were you would you would find wire work in everything. Charlie's Angels, yes. the what's the the really bad Antonio Banderas uh, X versus Sever um Shrek. bunch of sure. Uh but <laughs> yes. A bunch of uh, a bunch of uh Jet Li movies, you know, whatever. And it was it was so the reason it works in the matrix is because it's about bending reality. Um, mm -hmm. and they would just try to put it in anything to heighten reality. Right. Um, but it was never, it never looked as good. It always looked stupid. Um, what I think is exhilarating. I mean, to me, it's to their credit that you can tell watching this movie that they're inventing shit. Yes. That they, and, and also that it still has the thing that very few movies, I think it's fair to say have now of a kind of, where it feels related to, you know, the earliest forms of filmmaking to like yeah. the golden age of Hollywood in terms yeah. of when they're fighting on a roof. Like obviously there are there's compositing a galore in this movie, but for sure, you know they're on a they're on a roof. Like they're on, they're they're in the sun on a roof fighting for some of it, and then they're in a you know it, there's a mix of things that feel very much like okay, let's go find this location and shoot it, and then also like you know, the most advanced technology possible for the time that they well, are actively having to come up with themselves. It it reminds me a lot of Jurassic Park in that way. Yeah. Um, you know, like when you when you actually learn about like how they did some of these things, it just seems it seems so simple in a way. It's not, but it seems like, you know, it's like, how did they get the bullet time shot? Well, they just set up <laughs> a million cameras a million still image cameras and then they just just and they they fired them in at the same time and that's it it's they they had to, they had to but you know they also had to like f measure like how far would w one camera be from the next in order to simulate the amount of time that's in between mm -hmm. a frame when you're shooting at 24 frames per second and moving a camera at 30 miles an hour or something like you know so it's like there's insane thinking behind it but then doing that and then stitching it all together i mean that's no people weren't doing that you know um and now mm -hmm. i'm sure now you would i don't know what you'd, you'd use like something like the phantom or so you'd shoot the movie at uh, the the scene at 10,000 frames per second and move the camera as fast as you can um and that would probably give you exactly the same thing um, or not the exact same thing, but it, it would, it's interesting. I feel like it shares with like part of what I think I feel like that comes through in certain movies like and it Jurassic Park has it too, where the joy of discovery that the filmmakers are experiencing mm -hmm. makes its way into the movie. Mm -hmm. And this like a lot of Wachowski movies I've seen like four of them. I really want to see Speed Racer, but I do think it would kill me. Um, you, but you've I'm never still, seen it? No, I cannot. Hmm. There's no way it wouldn't make me throw up, but I really want to, I really <laughs> want to watch it. Interesting. Um, Honestly, it's worth it. <laughs> um, But they have a, I, I really appreciate their um, 
like I think they make the same mistakes over and over and I wish they would stop or get somebody who can help rein them in better. But I like how much they like what they do. They, you know, and how much how much fun they in their better movie. Like Bound, I feel similarly. Like Bound's my like, you know, I love that movie. And it has the same energy it's just like a low budget version <laughs> of this kind of of just like we're gonna come up with cool shit or like honestly all the movies we've watched for this triple there is like people are just let's see what we can fucking pull off you know yeah. like let's and let's do shit nobody's ever seen before that's a that's like an insane way to think if i mean i, yeah. I, I would i would say i would say for Less so then, but like if we think about the way movies are made nowadays, you know, the way things are pre-visualized, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's certain um, like studios, you know, they they will have their second unit like start, you know, uh, sh- shooting 70 percent of the movie or something like that. And it's it's there's so much more, you know, so much more of the movie is shot by the. Um, by the you know the stunt coordinator then or directed mm-hmm. by the stunt coordinator than by the actual director. So there's just like the way things are. A they cost five times as much and they are so the process at top you know f- for some movies can be so tightly. It's constricting. I think it's so um, and you know sometimes that's fine, but um, yeah, there is something about this that feels like you know a a sort of mosaic of very different things because i think like going back to the bullet time like it like when we go into that shot like it's different it doesn't look like quite like the rest of the movie it's imperfect yes it's an imperfect thing that they threw in there um a good example is at the beginning of the movie when trinity like she dives across a building into a window and the camera mm-hmm. is trying to it's 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 tracking her move it's moving at the same speed as she is and it's supposed to be like dollying in mid midair around her and it doesn't look quite right but i think it's there's something about it that it the intent like carries it all yes. the way you know yeah yeah but it's I mean, I I guess I wonder, I feel like this is something that like general audiences also pick up on, but there's definitely, it does, it's not necessarily bad for you to be sitting there going like, how the fuck did they do that? Even though that's technically like taking you out of the movie, no, not at all. I guess it's like, that's part of, that can be part of the fun, especially with these kinds of huge, you know, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, like all, you know, event movies like this like that's that's part of it is just being like holy shit like i've never like i really do kind of wish there is i mean the 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 punishment for being a contrarian such as myself is that i've seen bullet time a million other times yeah you know now basically quote-unquote perfected so i so those were not the scenes of this movie that made me go wow yeah, you know, like I was like, like honestly, it's like after it happened, I had to be like, oh yeah, that was a big deal at the time. <laughs> I, I used to, I used to, re- <laughs> I used to rewind these scenes and watch them like five, ten times in a row. Yeah, yeah. But there were other things like that in the movie 
mm-hmm. for me. You know, like hel- the helicopter scene, um, a lot of, like I said, a lot of the interior stuff. I love, I, I love all the like ghosts in the shell gunfighting. It was interesting to watch this. I feel like I could see Wicked City, like <laughs> for sure, all over this. Um, that shit uh, was fun, and also just. Like, I appreciate, as much as I'm saying I think this movie is overstuffed, I think there's too much for them to deal with it thoroughly um, in, a, in a way that's satisfying. It is cool that in the same movie you have, like, that crazy action sequence and then also just weird mindfuck shit like Lawrence Fishburne in a white room and then them having their, like, fight in yeah. a little dojo or whatever. Like, it's yeah. just, like, it's very, it's or, it's a cool or, premise. Or, like, the thing with the mirror, like, just, like, what, like, what is, ha- like, moments yeah. in, this, in this movie. The body horror. It feels like a, like, in some ways, it feels like something you would see in, in like, a Cronenberg movie. Um, oh, God, yeah. And I think that's that's very interesting for something that is very much a like high concept action movie in the vein mm-hmm. of Star Wars or something like that. And in some ways, like the those are the I I think those are the main I don't want to I guess I don't want to say ugh, like th- this movie is beautiful for what it is. Like I'm not. I'm I'm not. It's beautiful. It's great that it has all that shit in it. I do think they fight each other slightly, mostly for time more than anything. It's like I don't I think they have no problem coexisting in this in this universe. Like it can hold all of these things. Um, and there's a place for like people in weird amniotic pods, like and I love that. Like that's you know, that's my favorite shit <laughs> in the movie. That's incredible. And then also for them to have this big lobby, like, you know, kind of John Woo-esque, like gun anime gunfight thingy. Mm-hmm. It, that that all makes sense. And morphing and clones. I think my problem is my biggest problem story and pacing wise is that the beginning of the movie I think fails to establish the feeling of being a drone in this world because we don't open on Neo in his cubicle at work. We open on him in his perfectly art directed hacker (laughs) apartment and a great shot. I got no problem with that apartment being stylized as much as it is. But to me, for the for particularly for the reveal of him waking up in that you know bath pod thingy um to be to hit hard we need more time to see with him going about his day and maybe like there's one scene for instance where he's in his boss's office and he's looking at the window the washers yeah and I'm thinking, like, this is our man. He's seeing something. Like, he's thinking something. And I like that moment. Now, it turns out to just establish why there's scaffolding outside the building for him to well, climb out on. I think it's 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 hold it's it's doing double duty. But that's what I needed. That's what I needed more than more of. I needed more of that because the first office scene is the one where Morpheus then eventually is like, you know, the agents show up and he's helping him out. I want to see you know 
sad kind of like existential crisis, David Byrne, yeah. uh, you know, once in a lifetime, Neo in his office going about his day. Maybe we get the sense that he has some that he's feeling some kind of pull from inside where he's wondering, like, is this what's happening? I and then I think the reveal that all this shit is actually going on under the surface would hit so much harder than if from the beginning, first of all, because of the Trinity opening scene, which is great, love that scene. I think you could still have a version of that in this version of the movie. Um, but also from the beginning, Neo is, he's not just like an everyman. And no. I think the movie would work better if it seemed like he and, was. and that those reveals would hit harder if it seemed like he was. And I do I do think that yes, that off I do think that office scene is the most important thing that happens up until that point. Um It's just they're condensed into it's just the commentary scene. I mean, the the parallel to Fight Club, that was something I mean, that was a theme of nineteen ninety nine, right? Was this like that was like the theme yeah, of 1999. Of this like American Beauty, Fight totally. Club. Totally. Even like Election. Uh, I mean, almost every, like that was the late 90s. And you guys probably remember this, but like that was like the pop culture was this sort of dissatisfaction with how great everything was. Mm -hmm. uh, and how like, like, and I, I, that actually was something that struck me more in this viewing uh, than, I don't know, than at least than I remembered is just that like that was the attitude of the time yeah and like i don't even know if people remember feeling that way but it was like before september 11th there, like the like fight club articulates it perfectly like like our lives are a tragedy because we'll never fight in a world war mm -hmm. and we'll, you know like that whole attitude which we now look back on look back on as like kind of the naivete of the 90s or whatever um but yes, and it was like struggling against that kind of feeling that nothing meant anything, that there was no great struggle or anything like that. And they they bring that up in this movie as well. But sorry. But yeah, that's uh, that was very much a, a thing in the culture at the time. Yeah, it's like Gen X coming to terms with having sold out and basically become, you know, their parents. Like, I think and I feel that if we saw neo more if that was more his struggle as opposed to like being really tired i guess <laughs> like if as a man like he was just struggling with like yeah i go to this cubicle and it would just fit the aesthetic of the movie so well and i also think because the green light in the movie there's something to be said too for a motivated color grade like holy shit this Every movie, I don't know, maybe before this, they were already starting to look this way. But like every movie after this copied, I, I would say, yeah. the, the, the color of this movie. But there's a fucking reason for it here. Mm -hmm. And the lighting and color and all that stuff does such a good job of just casting a haze of unreality about the And the contrast real between world. that and reality is is really important. Yeah. yeah. it's It's so... It's so important to the story, but I feel like it also has such a parallel in fluorescent lighting that I'm sad that we yeah. don't spend more time in like fluorescent lighting and that really the first scene in an office is the same scene of breaking out of the office. And I love that scene. It, I was stunned and thrilled when he decides, like, nope, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, I didn't know. You know, I've never seen this. I didn't know that he wasn't. 
going to climb down this, that he was just going to be like, fuck this and go get yeah. arrested. That's amazing. That's such a fun, in- to me, that angle of like a sort of cowardly, like office drone who is maybe has this inclination towards seeing the fakeness of everything, but is actively resisting it because he doesn't want to wake up from the matrix Mm -hmm. is slightly more compelling than opening on like a a cool hacker guy, you know, (laughs) it's like, anyway, I would definitely argue that he is not presented as a cool hacker, guy, (laughs) but I see your point. Yeah. So yeah, that was the only bummer to me is that there wasn't this like playtime um, you I, know, Jacques Tati kind of aspect to the beginning part of the movie. I just think it then, I think if you go from guy working in an office to guy waking up in like an amniotic sack, like yeah. it just would be so much more of, you would just feel the gut punch and also the desperation, you know, the, the decision and the kind of, uh, regret of having left, <laughs> your comforting fake reality, you would feel that a little bit more. I don't know. Only because, yes, he's living in a fake reality, but he also, like, he's sort of living, he's living, uh, like, the, the, the office drone, like, but that's, like, his mask. And he is, to some degree, his true self. Uh, as we see him at the beginning of the movie, or at least he, a version of himself that he knows to be, um, I don't know, some somewhat more aware than what people think of him at the office. So I don't know if, I feel like he would have to believe his reality even more. Does that make sense? Like, he's already not quite sh- It seems to me that he's already not quite sure of his surroundings from the beginning. Right? I like, think he doesn't the contra- seem... Yes. But and I, th- okay. I think we need more of that, too. I think okay. we... I think more time of just him going about what is, seems to be a relatively normal life and us getting a sense that of his interiority just through camera, which they prove that they can do. And Keanu also proves that he can do that. Him looking at something, you know, is enough to make us, the audience go, what's he, what is he seeing here? I think it could, I just think we need more of that and more time in that space before like it's, it, it, we, we begin the movie knowing that this is a false reality. And wouldn't it be fun to learn <laughs> that it's a false reality? That is interesting. Um, but I also understand that that opening scene probably went a long way to like selling the movie <laughs> and for sure. getting people to go see it. Yeah, I do think it is a, it was a very, um, cause like, as I said, at the top of the episode, like I remember people not knowing what mm-hmm. this was. Um, and it's like, oh, I can see it's an action movie, but like, I I remember there being, do you remember Mike when they would do like, um, behind the scenes, uh, movie stuff about a movie that was coming out on like the nightly news? Yeah. I remember that stuff, watching those clips for this on like, they'd play on like local news and it would be like, no, I actually, I specifically remember with this movie 
I think it was actually actually, you know, gosh, maybe I did see this in theater. It was after I had seen the movie. There was some like, here's how we did the bullet time thing. And that was the first time I saw that camera rig yeah. where they had it all set up. So, yeah. Well, I remember them talking about some of that stuff, like trying to describe the action, trying to describe what they were trying to do, like to audiences that hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. And that being just like so like people I remember not being able to get my head around it. Uh, I mean, I was 11, but I just remember it being like I remember going to dinner with people who had seen the movie and I hadn't. And I remember even then <laughs> them trying to, like, explain to me what the movie was, because I was just like, what the fuck is this thing everybody's talking mm-hmm. about that my parents won't take me to see because they're mean. <laughs> um, so I guess Morpheus was right when he said that nobody can be told what the Matrix is. You have to. I'm, see it yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that feels like one of those lines that it works fine within the movie, but it's definitely a line that they intended to put in the trailer. Yes, 100 <laughs> percent. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I do want to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the office scene itself, because I do. I, you know, I know you want more of that, but I it by itself, too, is also great. Um, I I think that is the the most the most prison like the world real world ever feels is obviously in those, mm-hmm. you know, two to three minutes. I think a small and almost like two on the nose, but still really great thing is having his boss just like kind of like casting a guy that looks and kind of sounds like Hugo Weaving is a cool thing and not making it Uh, Hugo Weaving, you know? Mm -hmm. So just like the, 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 the drawing uh, a parallel between like living in a false reality and your, and your job that you hate, I think is a, is like makes that's you know, the thing exactly that, the thing that you were saying earlier about how it just this is the most relatable thing for 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 everybody on Earth. And it's like, yeah, but here's why. <laughs> exactly. That's and that's why I want more of it, because it's like so everyone understand, like everyone gets that whether you've worked in an office or not. Like, I think everyone understands that and can relate to that. And those little details are so fun. And like, I just think it would pay off more like. It would be more fun to have him just do what Morpheus is telling him to do if we got more of a sense of him hating his life beforehand, you know? It's like, it's like, sure, I might as well listen to this random guy well, on, on the so telephone. I think that that would tidy up like a thread of the movie to have him like feel dissatisfied with his life. Therefore, the Matrix is kind of the answer to that dilemma for him. So like I could see how that would work, but I also feel like part of what is ingenious about this movie is like, so well, two things. So on one level, uh, they play with the idea a bit of like, isn't it better possibly to be in the matrix? Um, And so I think by casting the fake world, you know, his office life or whatever as too, too clearly bad, then you would, you would maybe muddy that a little. Yeah. Um, or you would maybe answer that question for the audience instead of kind of presenting. I think, I think what not, you need, I, th- I think what you need is like a scene of Neo seeing other people like living happy, normal lives and him by himself and not sure why he can't do that. Right. It's the reason the reason his life isn't good is because he has this suspicion. Like it's yes. because he can't just go with it yeah yeah like it's like it's not fully 
working <laughs> for for him. Yeah. But and I that's also why agree, I mean, you and the, can't just you know, make the real like world miserable. The, like the soap on the window is obviously so brilliant because it is because of how it looks like a matrix. It, you know, I want, I just want some more. I think he's the one we're following. He's the one we need to know. And we sort of know mm-hmm. Trinity a little better almost. I think like, like I don't I mean, think Neo we get a lot of time really to get to show. know him. Yeah, no, I, that's, and I, but, so I guess that was the second thing that I was kind of thinking of as you were as you were talking was like that Neo being sort of this. He's like just very empty, like we we get little details of character early on, but uh, and this is not a knock on Keanu Reeves like this. I just think that that character, it's it's open and empty enough where like. He becomes like a character, which this is just you know, every uh, everywhere where he's the one he is mm-hmm. the chosen one. He is the best, you know, he is, you know, the prophecy says he shall be the best, you know, all this, like whether it's Harry Potter or any superhero yes. movie or anything like that. So I kind of wonder if having him be as it is in the movie where he's, yeah, not so clearly dissatisfied with the matrix, but mm-hmm. probably a little dissatisfied, but he has this secret life anyways, like where he's a hacker or whatever, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, if that maybe would make him more relatable, maybe it's a way in for more people. Because um, I, I think like mm-hmm. watching it this time, one thing that was on my mind is how did a movie that is very unique and very kind of heady, like how did that come to be a cultural touchstone? Because I don't I think if you gave this if you put this on Netflix or if you gave this to audiences today, I think people would be dismissive and baffled and I don't think it would catch on. I think that the movie. So I I agree with you that the the best my favorite acting that Keanu Reeves does in the movie is when he mm-hmm. you know he gets up he takes the bullets out of the air and then when he's fighting agent smith and he's just basically blank and he just like knows what he's doing i think yeah. that's the moment where it's like he is the perfect person <laughs> to do this part to just be completely yeah. passive blank faced fighting a guy is kind of like huh but I think that transformation, too, hits harder if he's not an empty vessel the entire movie. If he has right. something resembling a personality or a lack of zen or a lack like he's just I don't agree that he's a shell the whole movie. I think he becomes weird in a it's a weird arc in a way, but he becomes more of an empty vessel and to the extent that this movie is like sort of Buddhist in its philosophy, like that kind of makes sense that he's like moving to a, you know, increasingly detached (laughs) state. And I think that's fine, but I think that too pays off more if he is more of, of something at the beginning, even if that, you, you know, what does he need to shed? Like obviously and the movie wants us to doubt that he's the one. Like, I, we're supposed mm-hmm. to believe that Morpheus was wrong and the Oracle was correct and he's actually just not anything special. And so he should seem <laughs> like just a guy, like, at some point. But he never... I I just think that this all... It was those kinds of... It was consistently those kinds of moments where it's like, here's the payoff for this. Where I was would feel like they didn't set that up 
correctly or it was too brief of time. Like, for instance, I like the part where he's being interrogated. The agents put that bug in him and then he wakes up. And it it's that's a cool idea that like, oh, that whole thing was a dream. Um, and then the reveal later that like, nope, it wasn't a dream. <laughs> they just sent you back. Um, yeah, is great. But they happen so close together. Like he wakes up and then a few seconds later, he's like in the car with Trinity, Trinity basically like realizing that it wasn't a dream. Um, and like, what if there was at least what if he did something after he woke up, like he went to work or he did some hacking or whatever the fuck, like something yeah. else to feel like we're to try to to at least try to sell me the idea that this was just a dream instead of just yeah. immediately and that's what it means just like it's too many things i appreciate that the movie is two hours and you know five ten minutes um as opposed to three hours but especially given that they then made two horrendous sequels like maybe stretch the movie with all your good ideas <laughs> out slightly or so or something yeah you know yeah no like i definitely yeah i definitely hear what you say you're saying i think it was more of just like a not even devil's advocate but just kind of like like i wonder if had they done that if that would have tampered with whatever it was that enabled this to become like a mass phenomenon like like there's definitely ways to do it where it wouldn't at all and like i think you're right like it would be nice to have a little bit more of a a feel for who he is but then at the same time, I wonder, it's like, what, like, what would you like, you know, what was what is it you could tweak in this movie that mm -hmm. would have made it like it's like for the people who are like, I don't really like science fiction. Like, well, then they wouldn't have gone to see it as opposed to like this huge, you know, like an R rated blockbuster in 1999 was very rare. I know. I'm um, I think really surprised. Rare. I don't think I ever realized. I remember the sequels being R. I don't remember this being R. It's really shocking to me. That this yeah. could get so huge. And even that the studio would be like fine with it being rated R. Yeah. Like they would, well, and, wouldn't I have mean, tried to stop that. That's one of many commonalities it has with uh, the uh, last week's feature, uh, Terminator 2, right. which was another R-rated just spectacle. You know, I, actually, it was kind of funny watching these back to back like we did. Totally. Um, there was a lot of I mean, and even just the whole pitch of like artificial intelligence has created an apocalypse, you know, and like mm -hmm. technology has overrun humanity. And it's like, that's, you know, <laughs> the matrix just kind of took that and did, yeah. you know, there, I mean, there's so many, so many influences to this movie, but like that was Terminator two is certainly one that I had. It also really had of. that. So the thing, I can't remember if I mentioned this in our last episode, but the thing that I hate the most about that, like Alex Mack molten metal effect is the sound. Yeah that they decide that we all just decided it makes which yeah possibly is established by t2 which has a great sound design otherwise but that mm. sound i despise and it was the same <laughs> in this in this one it has that same like gloopy <laughs> sound that i just like it just it's so corny to me <laughs> like it doesn't sell those effects all look dated anyway and then it, they give it that boing kind of like sound to it what what would you have it sound like i think it needs to sound like metal i think it needs to sound like like you know something right. like that like something <laughs> let's almost take light that savory. sound <laughs> and let's let's put it over the scene and we'll see how it plays yeah <laughs> oh. um i loved the parts where he would like the part where he screams and it turns into dial-up tones 
Um, that was cool. Yeah. So, so awesome. Like where it goes down his throat. Yeah. It's really, really, really cool. And I also <laughs> love, I love that like, um, you know, cause like old school hackers like used to use touch tone. And I assume that that's the basis for why they need a, like a payphone <laughs> in order to right. be able to do their shit. And that's just so funny to me that these people can like bend reality, but they're like tied to the existence of like payphones. Like, what would they yeah. do now? I don't. <laughs> well, it was specifically that's actually that's something I thought about. Is it's specifically landlines mm-hmm. and uh, the idea that like you had to have a landline to escape the matrix. And it's like around 1999 is when you start seeing the disappearance of landlines. Mm. Like it's kind of like that, you know, so I was like, oh, the Matrix got us. So they now figured we're, now it we're out. Really trapped here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, t- they cut our, uh, our cut our bridge, I guess. I mean, that's what I mean. But. That is why the pr- concept is so genius is because like and and I think why the movie's a hit is that you keep thinking about these things for the rest of your life. And like truly and all of truly. the all of the. You know, there's a lot of like philosophy and techno babble and stuff in this movie. And, you know, some of it is like silly, but I mean, it's 25 years later and it's still most of those questions are still yeah relevant. And it's not too up its own ass f- to be understood by, yeah. you know, They'll, a non screenwriter. <laughs> you know? I think, I think a big yeah. part of that too is, is, is the budget. You know, it's like, they are i feel that with the the sequels i think they are i like them but i think that they are up their own asses and i think um i think a lot of that is just like less constraint more freedom to to get even it weirder and more convoluted and more confusing and um think you're the smartest person in the room um i think this i think Sorry, you were saying earlier about this movie being overstuffed, and I'm kind of connecting back to that a little bit. I I agree to a some degree. I think I think not that it's overstuffed, but that they don't allow certain things the real estate to matter. Like mm-hmm. I think a, a a big thing at the core of this movie is, which I think is almost entirely lost, really, in terms of my ability to care about it, is the fate of this underground city. You know, like th- this is this is a movie in which the fate of the human race is, um, you know, at risk. But we don't really care because we only know of like six people in this movie. Right. Yeah. You know, and maybe honestly, maybe the movie's better for it. Maybe the movie's better. Maybe they 100 percent. Maybe the movie's better not being about the end of the world again and maybe being about, you know, just these three people that we care about. That's um, my experience of the movie is that I don't I don't recall anything about that fucking city or whatever. <laughs> like, no, it's not like, in it. There's nothing. There's literally you've got one dude who's who's like, yeah, I was born there and that's I love it there or whatever. Like that's yeah. that's it. Well, and then in the second one, when we finally see it, it's laughable. It's, and it's, just, it's so shitty. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's <laughs> enough to be like, I think the stakes are there like i don't want these i want these people to survive because like i would like them to keep uh not having they're the only ones who know that human beings are slaves mm-hmm. like you know like yeah if they go then no one with that knowledge remains like Th- that that's a really good point itself enough because there isn't yeah. there isn't you know obviously my 
I have all this extra context that you don't have, but there's, you know, that there's actually a bunch of a bunch of uh, underground spaceships with martial yeah. arts dudes in it, in you know, flying around or whatever. By there's the way, actually... I think I've seen the Matrix two or three. I've seen <laughs> whatever one is like. It's like all different. They're trying. They're like trying to survive in one of those ships or something like that. I don't Do you remember know. that? I mean that that's. I mean, you I just think it's two. What do you mean they're trying to survive? There's like another group that's in a ship the whole time, and like Neo and Trinity aren't there. Yeah, that's I've the, seen that's that both one. I think okay, both, both of the sequels. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, and and I remember the guy, and they replaced the guy who plays. Yeah, Tank behind, with behind, another guy. Yeah, behind the scenes, that dude ended up being. I mean the 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 information out there is that he was uh, a bit like very demanding, hard to work with, and then wanted like insane amounts mm. of money and thought he had the power to ask for it. And then they just like wrote him out by making the dude's cousin or something like that. I, um, I will say my least favorite thing about this movie. And I feel like somehow it's like a common thing. Uh-huh. I hate the attempt to kind of aliens, this movie, the crew. I hate all those people. I like Lawrence Fishburne. I love Trinity, and I like Neo. All the the guy when 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 uh, Lawrence Fishburne is like, hmm. and that little one behind you is Mouse. I want to throw up with that kind of dialogue. I hate that shit so much. I hate the like the like horny guy. Like just all of that cute like. And this is the team shit. I'm like, can I just go hang out with like the really hot lady and the like and the and Lawrence Fishburne? Like, <laughs> I don't care about these well, annoying yeah. assholes. At that point in the movie, like for for as you know, like this is in our best best action movies ever triple. And like the Matrix is widely regarded as just like, you know, a thrilling film like. It is a very talky movie. It's oh, very yeah. slow. Absolutely. That was so very that surprising movie, to me. Yeah. At that point in the movie, when they're kind of introdu- introducing the crew, it is a little bit like, all right, let's get to the, the lobby scene. You know, like I'm ready for my my cool string fight, you know, in the dojo or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, although I should. Yeah, it does not bother me, but I, I do hear. I saying. think yeah, the like, aspect of having I'm a guy the movie being this way, having yeah. a guy who uh, can't enter the Matrix. Great. And also, I think it really raises the stakes of the movie to have all the characters be in such a vulnerable position, w- even when they're out being badasses in the Matrix. You know, yeah. when Joey Pants is like gonna betray them, I'm like, that is scary. The it's idea really that scary. someone could just be there killing them while they're doing their mission. Stuff like that in movies is like terrifying to me. Me so too. Like- there's scenes, so the that scene in the Matrix, like I remember watching that for the first time, or I, you know, whatever. At at some point, I remember watching that, and it just like gave me the willies, the idea that you could be basically heroic and all this type of stuff, but then uh, like helpless in some context, and he just pulls it out and you die. And the other, there's another, the other movie that comes to mind is in The Incredibles, when um the bad guy is, I, I can't remember what he does, but he's he's somehow able to just like kill heroes, like just cut them down. Mm. Um, I don't, what is, what is the, it's the guy that Jason Lee voiced. Yeah. Um, 
at some point he like gets control of some device or he gets some sort of a power where he can just like like it can be a superhero and he just like crushes them and mm-hmm. they're gone and they're so he's like va- he's like vanquishing all the superheroes and it's like they're just like i don't know why i guess it's the rare time when they build up a superpower to be believable that you actually think as you know i really i, I really hate like vaporization that's my that that's my yeah, biggest fear in thought. movies. Yeah. It's just like okay, you're like blinked out of existence. Um, yeah, I yeah, think- I think so. I think on that level, the fact that there's this this talky like their base ship sort of area is like it serves the movie. I just think if we're talking about a movie that already doesn't have like you say the real estate to like really expand on some of these things, like can we get rid of the guy who's just horny? Like he doesn't do anything. Can he just go? Like, could we just? Which one is that? Mouse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy who makes the lady in red lady or whatever. Red dress. Yeah, okay. it's like yeah. I, I, it kind of seems like. Um, yeah, but Tank he he's, is the only one who does anything. Yeah, but he's the guy who who comes in and says, "Morpheus is fighting Neo," and it's like one of the best parts <laughs> of the movie. I like, like, <laughs> I like that they have a guy where they're just Trinity's like, "Hey, I need to learn how to fly a helicopter." Like that shit's cool. That's fun. Yeah, I want yeah. that, but I just don't need them. Just you just don't like horny guys. No, I think I honestly I don't like they're I think they're not good at the kind of like aliens like yeah you know buddies like buddies in the service thing. It just comes off yeah. really obnoxious when they do it because I will say all that- of the cool people in the movie. It's like what you and I were talking about, Mike. Like the trinity is cool because she's just like a heartless cold like bitch i mean she's not really but like the and then neo is like an empty vessel and and uh morpheus is just like the coolest dude who ever existed like that's those are the characters in this movie we don't need like little annoying guys (laughs) like everyone should just be hot and cool yeah it's so hard because it's like I I've uh, I think maybe it's a problem that I've seen this movie like a hundred times. Um, <laughs> I just don't even think about these things. But um, I don't think you're. I think that's. I think this is fair. Um, but I. I mean that is an issue with the sequels. Oh, I, for sure. I think, like, for sure. So but they. Yeah. But also, I was I was actually thinking about this earlier today because it was like when you get to the end of this movie, and Neo has literally been shot to death. And can just spring back to life and then stop bullets in midair. Like, where do you go from there? Like, well, then you decide to make sequels to that. Is it because she kissed that? him? What's that? Is it because she loves him? He That's can't be the dead. Implication. Because... Yeah, I mean, I, no, I don't know. It's he lives because she's because he's the one. That's why. Yeah, but That's is why he, he the one him. because she loves no. him? Because I no, think she, no, she loves him because he's the one. No, she <laughs> loves him. No. No, she loves him she because loves she loves because she loves him, one. but she love but she knows that she loves him because this might be the a, Oracle told it doesn't right. <laughs> it's but, but that's what I mean is it's like kissing him does love, not make him to the one, but her no. love is is the thing that fulfills the prophecy in a sense. I, and I, I will hate say that. I well I will say that that is that I don't agree with you. I don't think that's true. Um, I think she like wakes him up or whatever. I don't think that him being the one is contingent upon her being, but I will say that the sequels specifically, the fourth one are like entirely about this. Like their it's love. Not, that's is what Lee said. It's not contingent on it because that's not how prophecy works, but so to, this, go ahead, Mike, this is what I was going to say. 
the prophecies that she gives them are not prophecies. They are, in a way, programs because she, mm-hmm. she tells them what she needs yeah. to tell them to get the desired result. So, like, they do call them prophecies and she is the oracle, but it is not like, you know, in maybe your favorite Greek tragedy or something where the prophecy comes true regardless of the right. struggling. Like, yes. No matter how hard the characters struggle okay. against it, yet yeah. it happens. The, the, oracle like, is, the oracle is another system of control, like, to be clear. Right. But I mean, also, it's just like she has to tell Neo these things so that he'll make the choices mm-hmm. that he does. And like whether or not it is all predestined, we don't quite know um, because I don't know that the characters know. But yes, it is. Like, I just think it's and I feel like there's another movie that I watched or that we watched recently where this also happened and I hated it. Yes, it was. It was Wicked City. I'm like, oh. I'm all for fairy tale shit in movies. And I love, like, yes, the gender reversal of, like, you know, he's the princess, she wakes him with a kiss, whatever, fuck. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I can totally roll with that. Happens in Batman, too. Uh, And I love that movie. But I'm so tired of, of watching a goddamn supernatural or science fiction movie about hell and demons or human batteries or whatever and or or a fucking tesseract or whatever the fucking case may be and having the answer to it all be love i'm so i hate that i am the most corny ass bitch but it is kind of it is in the sense that the movie it is in the sense that the movie wants what i'm saying is abstract I don't. I'm not talking about the, the mechanics movie, of plot. No, no. The here. movie just wants to tell us that that the, they want a character to explicitly tell the audience why that character knows Leo, Neo's the one. Well, Leo. We should call him Leo. Um, <laughs> that's all it is. It's it, right. it's whether she loves him is meaningless to him being the love. But one. I'm not talking about the plot mechanics. Okay. I'm talking about as a movie. I'm tired of getting to the climax of a movie. I'd have and okay. having the the point because that is what that what that moment does is tell us love is the most important thing to these filmmakers because that's the climax of the film and that's what they're choosing to express as the as the thing that precipitates it to me i think mm -hmm. i think it also makes us it's also i think pointing out uh, another you know a big difference between the humans and the machines right like yes but that's yeah. why that's why I love the idea so much more that another difference between humans and the machines is the extent is the extent to which Neo can be self-determined. That there's a, there's another way to do this, which is it's why I mean prophecy's always a problem. You know, you're reading Harry Potter right now, you're in yeah. the prophecy book. It's it's rough. Prophecy, like time travel, is a very uh, dicey prospect. Mike, I really, I, I really appreciate the explanation that the prophecy is more like a program. I think that's a mm. nice twist on that idea and does make intuitive sense and suit the movie. But this is a movie about contro- being controlled versus being free. Trinity loving Neo, for me, has nothing to do with that theme. You're right that Yet it might... Again. Mm-hmm. Don't see the sequels. <laughs> I won't. Yes. Don't worry. Um, yeah. I'm kind of interested in the fourth one. Uh, I might just skip to that. But yeah, that's why I have a problem with it because there's there's a some device that in which Neo makes a choice that is not predetermined by anyone or any program, such as when he decides now. 
I suppose you could argue that he goes back to save Lawrence Fishburne. That's also part of the fucking Oracle's plan, and he's been programmed to do that, whatever. That's not how I, I guess, choose to see it. That's the moment of him asserting, for me, that's the moment when humanity enters the picture, is that he's not going to do the thing that's logical or the thing that's not, he just, he's going to do... In fact, that's your love in a way. <laughs> that's that's the love story that matters. Mm-hmm. Is that he's going to go yeah. decide to save his friend? Um, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. For, for, well, for the record, I agree that like I think the biggest problem is that the love story between Trinity and Neo does not matter until the last thirty seconds of the movie. I mean, exactly. there are like a couple of there are a couple of different moments, but that relationship is it not comes built. out of nowhere. Yes. I mean, there are a few small but things, thing. but it's, it's so there's no there's nothing real tangible. Why it makes me so upset, though, is that yes. the other small things are actually sexy. I love when they're on top of the elevator and there's just like a wide of them grabbing onto each other because they know they're going to fly up. The, the way that the movie frames them as equals, but still like a man and a woman horny for each other. Wonderful. Like, I think that shit is so cool. It just, and it, I didn't need to see it pay off in this movie. I didn't need I didn't need them to kiss. I didn't need that I there's so many more creative things you could do with well, them as a, at the end of this movie to be like, "Hey, they're, you know, they're yeah. partners now and have it be hot and cool." Well, I think I her think just even, being like, "I love you and you're the one" or whatever the fuck. It sucks. <laughs> I even think in this in that scene if you just switch Trinity for Morpheus Trinity's the one, you know, with the other guy, like saying, you guys got to hurry up. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Neo and he just maybe he just, um, you know, reiterates that the reason he knows Neo is the one is because he was told that he would find the one, you know, and it has to be him. You know, I mean, that's that's really exactly all you need. because that's what's compelling. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. is is the is the. There's there's a sense in this movie that Neo is the one. Because people have faith that he's the one. Because people mm-hmm. place their hope in him. And, you know, there's a very there are very religious, like, undercurrents to this movie. Really? That's the relationship that matters, I think. Like, that <laughs> people... Neo's yeah. the one because these people have chosen to believe in him. Now, because they have to. And he chooses to believe in himself. And in so doing... He is exercising a self-determination that goes beyond what any computer program can will for him. Like, he is willing himself to be this thing because these people need him to be it. It's got nothing to do with Trinity (laughs) kissing his ass or whatever. I I will say that um, I think... Uh, just because we were talking a little bit about the sequels earlier, um, that this movie, I was what I was trying to say is that this movie does write itself into a hole in terms of like like concerning the sequels, and I think that they because you know the the Oracle is also controlling Neo because these are all just programs. Um, you're right that uh, I I agree with you that when Neo goes after. Morpheus that that is like him making a decision but like these movies become I think all about like what actually is free will and I think that they're so stuck on the first movie 
that they it's almost like you are doing backflips in order to write yourself out of out yeah. to a point where you act where where free will actually makes sense. So that's why I think I mean this doesn't explain it, but just like I think that's why they why the love stuff I think makes more sense in the other movies than in this movie. And it's because there needs something in order to get them <laughs> out of this hole. Yeah. Um but I also wanted to say that like another problem which you haven't seen these movies, so it doesn't matter to you, but I was just thinking about uh, with what, what Mike mentioned it, I think, earlier, but, like, with, uh, you know, Neo becoming, like, a basically a god by the end of the movie. Like, what do you what do you do with that? Just fucking mm -hmm. f fly around and kill all the bad guys, and then we're all free. Um, and that's why I think they have to introduce so many other characters. It becomes more of, like, an ensemble piece, and mm -hmm. Neo is much more of, I think, like, a side or background character um in the sequels anyway sorry i just wanted to get that out i mean yeah, I, and yeah. I guess one other thing i wanted to mention uh so like the idea of the oracle's prophecies being programming more than prophecy so like it's not i don't think it's actually quite that simple it's like i kind of came to think of it that way uh following how what she tells them has how, the influence it does have on them but i do think that the movie still keeps like it plays into the free will and faith kind of themes that come up in various places in the movie. So it's yeah. not like she's not like, and I can't remember how it plays out in the sequels. I know she's in them as a different actress, but um, uh, she's in the, she's in exactly the second like one she's as the same, okay. as the same actress. So, yeah. She died. Okay. She died. So, Oh yeah. I thought it was a different actress in the, in, in, the, in the third one. It's a different actress and oh, okay, she, okay. she died while oh. they were making the second and third one. And okay. um, they wrote some sort of like line in the movie for why she looks different, but it's because she died. Okay, glitch in the matrix, easy fix. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, no, but so the, so what I was trying to say, I, it's not that I think that uh, she tricks them or that they are just following a program that she has set for them necessarily, but she does kind of put the pieces in place for them, and they're able to make the choices and all that kind of stuff. So, anyways, I just wanted to correct that before it was like too dug in in our discussion of the movie um but yes so what's what's the next thing we'd like to talk about mm, i guess we got about half an hour so i mean i would say i mean i, I didn't really take notes because i've seen Me this movie so many times um so i'm i'm fine just kind of free willing but um okay one thing i like about the action is um especially the hand-to-hand -hand combat scenes is that it feels like there is a sense of storytelling to them um Obviously, I like anything with a wide shot, anything with more than, you know, a punch in the shot. You know what I mean? So it's not just like a bunch of inserts like that's all great. But also there is a progression like these are some of these, especially the train station fight with uh, mm -hmm. uh, Smith and Neo. Like there's a lot of just like it's a it's a lot of just showy, like, look what we can do. But also it doesn't like maybe maybe you could argue like, oh, you could have made this a little shorter. But I don't think it ever loses the thread of the of the underlying story in the fight. So I think that's a very cool thing. And I think that's pretty much present. And I think just about every fight scene in the movie is that there is still storytelling that's happening. And I really, really appreciate that. For sure. Um, one other one note that I have, I didn't have a lot of notes uh especially in like the final third because it really just goes like once once it hits yeah the last um, 30 minutes is pretty much just one long action sequence mm -hmm. yeah 
And I think that that's why, because you finished big like that, I think that that's why people walked out of the theater. Like, you got to see The yeah. Matrix. Oh, I think for sure. It, yeah, people had more of the Nebuchadnezzar and kind of some of the talkier stuff that probably wouldn't have been quite the uh, word of mouth. But um, one other note that I had was the scene where Smith is talking to uh, Morpheus in the when he's got him tied to the chair. Um, and he's he's just talking about like he's like, I have to get out of here. Like, I love that. Uh, Hugo. Yeah, it's it's like it's so um, it's so good. Hugo Weaving is so great at that, but then it's also very unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> because he seems so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, I love it. Like... I love it when the other agents walk back in to like let him know that the building's under attack or whatever. And yeah. they look and the dude, the first thing the dude says is, What were you doing? Yeah. Like, as yeah. if he was doing something sexual. There's something yeah. about this dialogue where like I think it is all, almost all of it is cheesy without the right performance and so when there's not the right performance it is cheesy but like lee pointed out like when when neo wakes up from the from his little bathtub and uh he's like why do my eyes hurt and the way that Lawrence fishburne says because you've never used them before or whatever he says like it's like it's so heartbreaking like it's great it's, and it's yeah. really important for the character i think to see like how much yeah he cares for all for all those you know you get a sense that he he feels that way for all of those people like who are mm-hmm. still trapped back there um he's so he's so great in this i really it's really hard for me to imagine this movie working Without with him. anyone else yeah in that yeah. role that's because he's not in the fourth one, right? I haven't seen. No, him. he's not. Well, because his character Norman. is. Well, no, his he wasn't asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was not. He was not asked uh, to come back. Um, that's weird. Is he difficult to work with? No, or they just. He's, I think they wrote. just. I think he's old. I think they just didn't. Oh, which I actually. Yeah. Well, which, that'll once, be my. Once you see the movie, like I, it's like I don't know if that matters because there's no action in this movie. So what? Sure, you know. Yeah, Keanu Reeves if, pretty fucking old too, and apparent according to you, looking it in, the, in this movie in the Matrix Four. Yeah, yeah. in the Matrix Four, he's, I think he does. My look. my stated reason for not seeing Matrix Four will just be because uh, they didn't bring Laren, uh, Lawrence. Sure, La- Lawrence Fishburne back. That'll just be my reason. People will have to accept. That. I think I'm gonna watch it after this. <laughs> I was actually going to say your next triple to follow this it's should the, just be Matrix oh, 2, 3, 4. I don't want to watch <laughs> 2 and 3 at all. No, they really like 3 was really rough. And actually 3 highlighted for me, I, I guess I should say uh, 3 brought me to the breaking point of the way they deliver dialogue. So like I can watch the Matrix and I can love it. But there certainly is a way that they all deliver these especially like when they're talking about an idea they'll they'll talk about it as though like perhaps you've never thought of this before but like it's all in this very cool kind of monotone way and then like the third movie is all that for two hours just like these like what if i told you that this trains you know just like i don't i can't remember what the things they even talk about in that movie are but it's just the whole movie is delivered in that sort of like you know blowing your mind kind of top uh, style um i'm but yeah i will also say i think the ending of this movie is pretty stupid it's almost really good he flies into the sky yeah i think it's almost Mm. really good i love him what he's saying i love the green text and him like saying saying what he's saying and talking about how he's gonna you know expose it to other people that's great 
I even, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I was a little bummed that we didn't just end there, that we actually see him again. But like, I liked the shot of him looking up and everything going and pulling out. But that shot of him flying, it's so much like the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, that last horrible. Oh my God. Shot. Yes. Which that you go like, dude, Alfonso, how did what you let are this you happen? Doing? Why is there <laughs> you a made freeze the best frame? one of these? It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Um, at I least agree. it doesn't freeze frame, but. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> Wait, it oh, does? Yeah, he freeze it freeze frames with Frank uh Frank, Frank Potter. Harry Potter on no, the No, I know uh, that. I'm talking about the Matrix doesn't though. Oh, the Matrix right? doesn't. No. no. No, they had they had the yeah. smarts. I think it them. also it like um highlights the kind of, I don't know, cringiness of that moment by playing a rage against the machine song. That's one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Come on. And it's also I just don't think <laughs> I don't think that that's too happy of an ending. For this I mean, movie. If that had been the ending, I would be like, perfect. I love, like, I love fun. that ending. I think it's great. I think, um, yeah. I think when with without sequels, which again, for the record, I like Matrix Two and Three, but, <laughs> but I think, I think like all of these things that they're introducing in the last five minutes are totally fine for me, as long as you don't have to expound upon them. Yes, sure. That does like, make it. That does. I see how it's even worse that they then make yeah. a sequel. Because well, yeah, because then now you have a character who flies for the entire movie. Now you have a character who can stop bolt. It's like because then then you have to like first you have to you have to create a character who can be their foil, and then you also have to create uh you know you have to find their limits, which are obviously past whatever this movie presents, which is a character that can. Uh, jump inside another character and make them explode that can stop bullets that can literally just resume life after having it end and a character who can fly so but my main but all of problem that... though yeah my main problem though is that the movie is a really creative movie the movie does interesting things with the with the power of imagination you know him flying away is the most obvious fucking thing <laughs> that he could do with his new it's the most basic sign it's also a guy like coming out of a fucking phone booth and flying away like yes no i i get the yeah i get the superman thing but at the same time it's not like there's no precedent for it it's not like it came out of nowhere like no they 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 tee it up i think pretty well over the course of the movie that there is a sort of uh, it feels like a pretty natural place to go for me. Yeah. Do they ever explain in the sequels why you can't, why the why the robots couldn't change the program so that they couldn't fly or that, like, that they couldn't cut? You know what I mean? I like, think I could be wrong, but I think it had something to do with, because they do upgrade the agents. Um, okay. But I do know that there is... I think there's some level of like, yo, Neo doing these things is breaking the matrix. So they're like kind of, I think by doing more of it, it just breaks the matrix more. And like the matrix is what is, you know, taking care of their power source. That's my understanding. Okay. But then you also have, cause Smith comes back in the sequels, obviously. And like, he's also breaking the matrix and is, maybe even more powerful than Neo. 
Right. So. And then they, they pick that thread up because that's kind of what he uh, reveals. Slight, uh, yeah. Smith. Yeah. There's when precedent he's talking for to, uh, Morpheus for in that sure. scene. Yeah. And so they kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. yeah gosh, I've totally I've totally like I, I watched them two years ago and I've totally forgotten. What well, I watched them like from. like three months ago. Yeah. Um, the actually, I'm sorry, Kit, did I interrupt you? I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, uh, I was looking at my, I got a few other notes. A lot of my notes were just like kind of thoughts I had while watching this both real quick. I just want to say it is genuinely interesting. Like listening to Kit talk about this because it's just like, this is so weird to me. Like hearing somebody like talk about this fresh with like <laughs> with critical eyes like yeah i've never i've never in my entire life thought of like 40 percent of the things that you brought up and that's very cool that's see, that's why i'm actually doing the world a favor by not watching movies for 25 years yeah kit is on, uh, on behalf pilling andrew on, on behalf <laughs> of me the orphans and president biden i thank you <laughs> i'm red pilling you that the matrix actually does have flaws <laughs> I never thought it didn't have flaws. <laughs> no, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So obviously anime was a big influence on this, yeah. but it also made me think uh, Terry Gilliam and Jean-Pierre Jeunet sure. like really yeah. laid the groundwork for this physical. Like, so anime is obviously it's a cartoon, but in terms of like sets that look like that, it's like uh, both those directors, I think, really. Absolutely. Like, City of uh, Lost Children. This movie. To me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is very and Brazil, I guess. Yeah, Brazil for sure. And it's funny to me because I think, I mean, even Alien Resurrection, which I think only came out a yeah. little bit before this, but yeah. I think there's a lot in there too. Yeah. I love. I think it's an underrated movie. I mm-hmm. I love everything about the pr- the production design of this movie. It's awesome. It's very everything good. looks amazing. The costumes are mm-hmm. amazing. Like truly, I was particularly obsessed with Neo's Thomas Anderson drag and I tried to find unfortunately if you look up anything about the Matrix costumes it's entirely about like the trench coats and the latex and all that shit but I really wanted to find out like what did they source for like his his jacket like his extremely plain like brown jacket that he wears because it's I can tell it's extremely expensive like it's very fine but it's like as plain as can pop I just want to know like who what was the thought process behind his like normal guy (laughs) outfit it's really interesting to me and yeah the locations look amazing and it does totally have like a jean-pierre genet vibe Mm. to it um let's see are you i don't know i guess are you glad that you've watched the matrix now or do you not care i'm glad i'm a little sad that i can't I'll never Not have the power. Yet, yeah. I can't yeah. go back and keep taking the blue pill. You know, that's true. I can't undo That's it. True. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I watched it in that. I think it is a good movie. Um, good. And I. Really enjoyed. I just really I enjoyed the anime of it all. I liked the action sequences. I could watch it again and just like skip through the parts where they're like on the ship or whatever that thing is. Um and just but I could just watch the action sequences like on a regular basis, probably, <laughs> particularly, particularly the one, like I said, where they're going down the walls. That's yep. amazing. And then the like the ghost in the shell gunfight thing 
is yeah, awesome. I, I, I every so often I'll I'll watch like a piece of this on YouTube even just because it's still so thrilling to me. Yeah, and that was another thing that was cool about the DVD because with VHS you had to fast forward. With DVD you could go to the chapter, mm, and mm-hmm. that that feature certainly got you some use <laughs> on my uh, PlayStation Two back in the day. But um, yeah, so the only other note I would like to bring up before we go. Uh, we've touched on it a little, but watching it this time, having seen it so many times before, there wasn't really a ton of like story notes or even just kind of, you know, filmmaking notes, but just like I was struck constantly by how flexible this text is. And like, I think mm-hmm. like, I can't think of another movie that like has, so, so it's like some of the philosophy in this movie, people kind of roll their eyes at, and it's a little bit like, you know edgy or whatever that would be like um really trying to blow your mind but also just kind of like how well it fits into like a thousand you can read it from a thousand angles and it's it has some it does something interesting with almost any idea you bring into it um and like i don't know i just like i think that that's part of why it was a phenomenon um uh, i think that's part of why people are still talking about it um and uh but yeah because i don't know from like politics to religion to just general culture, to technology, just almost anything you can bring to this. There's some little spin the Matrix puts on it. And it's like, I don't even, I think they, you know, having seen some of their other films, it's not like they're geniuses. No. <laughs> um, you know, they're great, very talented filmmakers. No. But like, um, I think that you they sort of lucked into this premise where that it is just so fertile well, that you can just do everything with it. That and I think I mean this this premise already, you know, if you're familiar with like popular science fiction, like this this premise already existed to some degree. I, I don't mean, think true. that Keanu Reeves they, almost made this movie previously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't I don't think Well, yeah, that's true. Uh which I think was also written by I think Johnny Mnemonic was written by William Gibson if I'm It might have been. If I'm not if I'm I think it is. So anyway, but it, I I uh I don't think that it's like a completely like original idea. I think it, um, no, I think it's, it's got a lot of peace. That doesn't mean I think they ripped it off either. And that I think yeah. anything should be taken away from this movie. But um, I think when you watch their other movies, I mean, even St- speed racer, um, definitely the matrix four, which, uh, and, and, and then your Jupiter ascending is another one. Um, it doesn't seem like they were, able to quite recapture that and i think even like jupiter sending to me is such a and to me is such a uh a grab at doing the matrix again like more so than the sequels more so than speed racer because mm. it's like yeah. okay we got we got to come up with a whole new world and it has to have all of the same like it's got to be just as bold and um it's got to have you know all of these different you know i think the same like kind of sociopolitical ideas and stuff like sort of embroiled into whatever the premise of that movie is um and it just i know you like it like but it is it is one that uh i do not like it and i think that it is one that's just like all of the all of the flaws to me um of of their filmmaking abilities are present within cloud atlas and jupiter ascending in the most like obvious ways. I think what they, yeah. yeah. And I don't think Jupiter ascending is like up there with the matrix or even speed racer, but I saw it after it was like famously 
like made fun of yeah. and everybody was like oh it's so terrible and i watched it and i was like this is pretty good that's like, the best way fun, to go you know? that's the best fun. way to go into it yeah. i would say yeah i, I think would what also they, say, what they do so well here that i assume they squander completely in the sequels is it's like a sprinkling it's like the the there's there's a lore you feel that someone is in control of and knows what the backstory of this world is, but they're not, for the most part, just like telling you for the sake of telling you. And then the philosophy is there to raise questions rather than close off possibilities. Like so often in like, in I assume the Matrix sequels, in Star Wars sequels, it's just like the philosophy is there to shut down inquiry <laughs> in a way it's like this yeah. can't be this way because this like here it feels like we're not gonna like necessarily answer all of this for you but but you thinking about it is the very me- mechanic by which you escape the matrix <laughs> like, see i kind of yeah. i kind <laughs> i kind of think that it's like the opposite i think it's too much i think it's uh or i think someone who officially doesn't like the matrix sequels would argue it's too much. Like there's too much, there's too many attempts at like philosophizing. There's uh, it's too open-ended. It's to the point where it's like, am I following this or am I not following this? It's interesting that that was what they took away to be iconic. Yeah. Is that the, the, is it's like the scenes of, cause there's more like white room (laughs) shit, right? In the next ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's there's there's like there's scenes where, you know, it's like Neo talking to to the actual Matrix. And it's like it's an entire conversation written by a dictionary about free will. Um, <laughs> and it's fine. Um, but yeah. And I think I think honestly, that's that's what makes the Matrix four so terrible to me is that is the entirety of the movie. Uh, I'm really excited to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I also would love if I could go back into the matrix of not having seen this movie. It yeah. would be fun to just watch the fourth one and never any of the other. <laughs> I thought about doing that as well. I feel like you will appreciate <laughs> honestly, I think you should watch all of them if you're going to watch the fourth one, but I think you will I think you would not appreciate how bad the fourth one was if you didn't yeah. watch at least this one. Um, well, especially for the aspects you've talked about with the lame action like well and here's the here's the thing (laughs) about that it's like that's that's there's an argument for that being okay i think um there's an argument that this movie that the the fourth matrix movie is an attempt at making a sequel that's like not a that's about not making sequels um Mm -hmm. and it's like that's fine if you want to do that with gremlins but like basically the you know, the the idea is that they WB said, we're going to do this. And if you want to be involved, you can. Mm-hmm. So there's an art. There's, you know, there's people who would say like, oh, they purposely did an anti Matrix Matrix movie as a fourth Matrix movie so that no one else because because they didn't want WB to like follow mm-hmm. them. And it's so it's like, we'll do this and which I don't totally believe. But there I think there is like a sense of like. We're going to do this, but we're not going to do the thing we did before. But the problem is we're not good enough filmmakers to mm-hmm. not do the thing we did before and have it be good. I mean, they weren't good enough <laughs> filmmakers to do the thing they'd done before and have it be good. Yeah. So to try to do the opposite 
and not have it be good is like that's like a premise extra, I always want to work and rarely does. And like Gremlins is like a good example. Obviously, yes. it's like the exception that proves the rule, possibly. But like Jurassic World tried to do that mm-hmm. and is one of is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And then I've read that the live action Dumbo is Tim Burton being pissed off about. Mm. It's just like an anti-Disney Disney movie. But you already um, that, took their money, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I think that's part of the problem is like I don't know if you yes. can make a sequel that proves that sequels suck and have it not suck. No. So I mean, I guess come, you can like, if you're if if in like the, you know, they would tell you that like, well, we never wanted the Matrix movies to be action movies. We we felt that those the things that people like parodied about these movies, like those are the things that we liked least about them. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but that's wh- that's, that's the also appeal a here. Bummer. People. It is a bummer. It is that's really a disappointing. Huge bummer. Because yeah. why can't you just love both? Because I think they think they're smarter than they are. I think it's it's why you don't like Christopher. But Nolan. it's just like I that's think not that's, that's it's the not for dumb me. to like action. Especially no, action like Which, that. I don't, I don't, I, you, so they may have said something to that effect in an interview. They did. But I, I can't watch Speed Racer. Right. And then be like, I agree. They don't also like action. But, but I, don't I think, know. but I think, I think that's, I think it's, it's from a recent interview. And I think it's the thing that you say in order to justify your terrible movie that's about to come out. <laughs> that, because, that's why because, so like, because the thing, the first thing I thought while watching the movie, because I knew how much time they put into, choreographing those scenes is like mm-hmm. oh they probably just spent like a few weeks like that's the difference like you can yeah. it's it's night and day it's it's i mean it's wild to see and the thing is is like i said this in an earlier an episode a while back it's like i think that i think that there is a version of this that Keanu reeves can still do like the dude's doing jujitsu and grappling and gun foo and whatever you want to call he's it he's a bigger he's, action star than he has ever been right now yes yeah he's doing like he's still doing the lord's work so to to put this at this movie out in between john wick movies is like ugh, just an atrocity yeah yeah well we gotta wrap it up yes uh we may skip the cruise minute no, no. of course not What's wrong with okay, you? Okay, let's go ahead and do the I cruise. Think I didn't Cruise know how would hard be. I think Cruise would was. absolutely fit into the Matrix world. I think he would be a good Morpheus type guy. I think he could be Morpheus. I think he could be Neo. I think he could he also could be Smith. Be he could be. I want to see him. Oh, like Smith. Smith Collat- is a, that's think of him amazing. collateral. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a great. Oh, Smith. that'd be, that'd be so cool. cool. <laughs> um, uh, my cruise news is that when he was when they were shooting uh Ghost Protocol, they um they were filming in Morocco or they were going to film rock anyway they were filming somewhere and they wanted to go tom cruise wanted to take everybody zip lining but like the crew had to like leave like they had to take the planes and so he said nah you guys everybody who's zip everybody's gonna go zip lining and then i'll take them back i'll deliver them to the next location on my private jet and i was like that's pretty cool dude that's cool i think it'd be really cool to be like so rich and in and uh and so integral to the movie making process that you're able to like, uh, you know, rent the entire crew a boat to live on together, or uh, <laughs> fly your all your all your coworkers around in a plane. Pretty cool. I and just to go ziplining, it was it was it was a ninety minute excursion, right? Amazing. So so what is that? You know, a uh, fifty thousand dollars or whatever in jet fuel and plane fees. You should get a secret a secret friend plane. I'll work on that. Okay, I'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, my cruise news is that uh, Andrew is going to send me collateral on Blu-ray. I am. So I just I just pulled. I was supposed to do it a couple days ago, but I just it's 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 no, it, it is no rush. It's in a box on my coffee t- or my uh, kitchen table. So that's my big cruise news. All right. Um, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. But Mike, please. Join what are we going to talk what, about, Andrew? Next? I am trying to finish the podcast. Well, you, don't, you don't have to every be... time you do this to me. You interrupt me. What is it you want? You didn't have to be so mean about it. You're right. I apologize. Stupid. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. Okay. Does Kit know what we're doing next week? I didn't even remember it was my turn. But one of my triples, oh, okay. the first triple on my list is Michael Mann. So uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Could be. Okay. Could be fun. All right. Little man hunter. I forgot. Um, what, what, what's, what, what, what's on that list? Michael Mann, um, repressed sexuality horror. Um, no, 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 no. Which Michael oh, Mann? Oh, on the Michael Mann list? Um, yeah. Collateral Thief, Manhunter, Public Enemies, Heat. I don't want to watch Mohicans again because of the scalping. Really interesting. Okay, that's fine. That's I understand. I've heard Miami Vice is pretty cool. I don't know. I I mean, I believe that it it has had a bit of a reappraisal and people seem to like it. I fucking hated yeah. it. But I'm I interested have, I would, in Public I, Enemies because of the digital. That would be uh, fun. Aspect. I would watch. I think it's a little boring, but it would be fun to watch and talk about. And I haven't seen it in a long time. I've never seen Thief, never seen Manhunter, but I have like both of them here. You've never seen Thief? No, I've been. I bought it a while ago. I've been waiting to do it on this show. So, well, we have to watch Thief. So. OK, anyway, let we'll let Kit let us know when uh, when she picks. I had no idea you had not seen Thief. I thought you had because we talked about it. like, yeah. I mean, on the podcast. Before. I'm a bad boy. <laughs> Maybe we should do the repressed sexuality one. <laughs> um, okay. Slow motion triple feature was recorded in a nice steak restaurant that we have been assured is definitely real. Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes it sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. 